Hey everybody, DJ here. As an investor in Acorns, I'm excited to be partnering with them to launch the first ever Mighty Oak debit card. While other cards are built for spending, ours helps your money grow with two of the highest APYs available. Plus, whenever you make a purchase, the Mighty Oak debit card invests your spare change. So head on over to acorns.com slash Mighty Oak card today. This is a paid advertisement. Investment advisory services offered through Acorns Advisors, LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Acorns is not a bank. Visa debit card and banking products offered through NBKC. Stacking Benjamins with Joe and his good friend OG not only has great financial insight, it's laid back with humor too. Joe talks with Stacking Deeds co-host Crystal Hammond. I've always been a fan of nosy neighbors. I want nosy neighbors. They can tell you what's going on 10 times faster than you would know. Again, what's she talking about, Doug? Really? (laughs) We're repairing neighborhoods, but then we're into nosy neighbors and (laughs) build a career off of that. Find out more by searching the Stacking Benjamins podcast wherever you listen. Killers of the Flower Moon is now on digital. Oh, my God. From director Martin Scorsese, Leonardo DiCaprio. Robert De Niro. You got one more chance. I'm coming after you, son. Killers of the Flower Moon. Buy it now on digital. Friday, 9.05. Uh, we've been doing this the last a few Fridays now. I don't know what to call the segment. Frank Bull gave us some ideas a couple of weeks ago. But I just want to get people in in Kansas City that are interesting, that have something to say, and sit down for a half hour instead of usually, you know, morning drive, we've got to do these five, ten-minute segments. And Every time I talk to Kevin Keatsman, host of the Kevin Keatsman Has Issues podcast, I said to myself, gosh, I wish I could do two segments with Kevin. So here he is. Kevin, good morning. It is great to be here, Pete, in the nicest radio studio I've ever been in. <laughs> and I noticed you have two cruisers in the parking lot. Now, we now do. That you're on FM, you got two cruisers <laughs> rolling around the city. This is big-time stuff. Man. Well, it's great to be here. The old one doesn't work. The new one, we oh. got this nice Hummer, though, with the new logo on it. Looks they pretty look, good. Looks great. Yeah. They look great. Well, hey, man, thanks for being here. Uh, I just want to start off, we'll do some uh, news of the day and sports and stuff, but... You're now what? You're three of the podcast? Yeah. Yeah. Three years. Did you ever think you'd no. be a podcast guy? <laughs> no. Any question you ask me about podcasting, my answer is no. <laughs> and, you know, there's all these stories out there of all these failing podcasts. And I had a, a friend of mine send me say, hey, listen to this interview that was done as a podcast, ironically, about why podcasts are failing in so many places. You know, as the as a format, it started out so wrong. They had yeah. these giant teams of people. They would travel all over the country. They would do crime podcasts. They would take a month to produce it and spend tens of thousands of dollars. Then they'd do one podcast. There's no way to make money doing yeah, that. Yeah, how, do you, you how just, do you make money? You can't do that. You can't so do it. When I started out, I'm like, I only know how to do one thing. I'd done a radio show like you do for 23 years. And I said, why don't I just do a daily radio show as a podcast and see if anybody listens? I have 53,000 podcast subscribers now. Most of them are in the Kansas City area or have some sort of relation to Kansas City. So this is basically a local podcast. We're up to 5 million downloads. It's just been insane. I had no clue. I I, I said goodbye to half of my sports radio audience Mm -hmm. because they were liberal. 40%, maybe 30%. I don't know what it was. It was liberal. They're gone. They've left me, which is great because those were the haters. Mm -hmm. And I do conservative politics and sports all Mm -hmm. in one, Mm -hmm. in one daily show. It's up every morning right about the time you're getting done. And um, it lasts about 45 to 55 minutes. It, I think it's pretty much everything you need to know for a day. You know, I used to do four hours of radio like you do, and I, I would walk away from it and go, man, there was like four or five segments. They weren't very good. We were filling. They force interviews on you sometimes, different things that you thought weren't very interesting. I just do the stuff I think is interesting, yeah. and, and people seem to like it. And, and, I mean, you kind of taken your four-hour radio show and just crammed it yes. into a best of 45 minutes that you want to talk about every day. Well, yeah, I think when I did four hours of sports radio, I always walked away and felt like we did two good segments out of 12. You know, there was <laughs> yeah. two of them. And so 
those are in there every day, but now I'm doing politics, which is stuff I never did on radio. Yeah. So there's and, and we you know we add the word life, which means I can talk about Taylor Swift if I want, yeah, you know, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just generally anything that we find interesting. And the the target demo is is pretty much conservative men that like sports, and we just try to keep it real. Every yeah. Day. No, I mean it's you, you're doing a great job with it. So. Is there any part of you that over the last, what, four years now has has missed the grind of radio on a big day maybe that you've said, oh, you know, it'd be cool to do the talk, you know, call-in radio show right now? Yeah, I miss two things. I miss breaking news because we don't really do that with podcasts. I used to love handling breaking news, especially yeah. if it happened early in the show and there's like three or four hours left and you're yes. just guiding your way through it. Like I was on the air, you know, maybe the most incredible day I was live. and I, did, I think I did seven or eight hours that day. It was 9-11. So I went on way early that day mm-hmm. and we were just – going through 9-11 and it was such a diversion from sports and we just did live radio all day and the other thing I miss is taking calls I know that sounds insane because a lot of people in our business do not like taking calls man I miss it mm-hmm. um, I miss sparring with some of the callers um, my favorite thing was always letting them prove to everyone else that they were wrong instead of me telling them you know let them hang themselves <laughs> is the way I used to yes. say it. but I used to love those calls yes it was a dance it was a tap dance and I can't really do that what I'm doing now. So, yes, I miss those two things. I, I agree with that. You're right. I mean, the, the, the format has gone away from the caller. And you got to be you got to have the right caller, right? Yeah. you got to have the one who wants to spar, who's smart enough to spar, but then also dumb enough to hang themselves. Yes. That's the key. Because <laughs> there's always that, that one thing too many they'll say. Yes. You know, they'll do two or three uh, really coherent points, and then they'll get to the fourth one and go, eh, that's <laughs> it, you're out. <laughs> Zonk, you're out. Yes, yes. <laughs> I could see that. So when you look back, I mean – on, on your career, not just doing the radio, but also doing TV prior to that. You've seen Kansas City Media for the last 35 years. What has changed the most in this town when it comes to media? Well, the media, when I started, it was when I got here in television, um, I knew that I was working with people that were Democrats. But the people that I worked with at Channel 4 for 10 years that I knew were Democrats, or what maybe we didn't use the term liberal or progressive in those days, that was... For me, it was the late 80s and 90s. I knew they were Democrats. I knew they were different from me. But they didn't seem dirty. They didn't, they didn't seem like they were in on it. Like, I remember Dave, I worked with Dave Helling for a long, long time. And he didn't come to work every day trying to help Democrat politicians around our area and hurt Republicans. Mm-hmm. But that's what it's evolved into. Mm-hmm. And even in local media, we see that. And some of the local media, like Channel 4 is owned by a really conservative country, company and stuff. But they, they're, they're missing out on so many of these stories. They've been on... You know, some of this Trump stuff recently I've been watching, and I don't watch as much as I used to, but there is still a liberal bent because now what they've done in the local news stations, they've turned it over to really young college graduates who are indoctrinated in a completely mm-hmm. different world than I came up in. And 90-some percent of them are really far-left liberal when they get to the newsroom, so of course they're going to approach something one way. So the biggest change for me is activism. So I just decided if you can't beat them, join them. When mm-hmm. I stopped doing sports radio, why wouldn't I? I've got a voice. We've got followers. Why wouldn't I jump in this fray? I don't care about losing my liberal listeners that listen to sports radio all those years. I want to talk to people with brains. You know, I want people who understand that we need to have a safe country, that we can't have the crime and the, and the incredible things that we've been seeing over the last three years with Joe Biden as president, and it's happening at the local level. I worked very hard in Lenexa on our, our mayoral election, and the person I supported lost, and I had a feeling he was going to lose. He didn't, Joe Carlin didn't really want to jump in and fight the fight. He was up against a crazy liberal woman on the council running. Nobody knew this. She outworked him. She got elected. A week after she's elected, she's with Stacey Abrams down in Atlanta taking photo ops. The first day after getting sworn in, they're turning a hotel in Lenexa into a homeless shelter. So it's on in Lenexa. 
Yeah. Well, next is about to change. Elections matter. She's in there for four years. We're screwed for four years. Yeah. So wake up, people. And get involved in your local politics, too. It's not always just Joe Biden. I totally agree with you, and we try to do that on this show as well. Kevin Keatsman is joining us in studio. Uh, I have had multiple anchors in this town tell me that they will rewrite scripts that, you know, some younger members on their staff will put into the uh, teleprompter. And they're like, that's like they don't want to bend it the other way. They just want to present the facts. And they're like, these these younger folks write this stuff, and they're like, no, we're not doing that on the air here. So it is happening in this town. Yeah, they literally only know one side. Yeah. They know one way to think. It's the group thing. Yeah. And, and they're, you know, you're 26 years old, and that's all you know. Mm-hmm. It's so true. Kevin Keatsman's on KCMO. When you think back to your time starting in sports radio, it was still a relatively new format. You know, it started, of course, on the uh, East Coast. WFAN was the first all-sports station. You're part of it here in Kansas City. What was that? that initial couple of years like for you it was crazy because it was it was it was really wild i mean the people that came out the support we had it was like a i don't it, it was almost like a new sports team in the city i mean it was insane in the beginning really? i mean don fortune had done sports for a long time on 980 but they were a news talk station and then they did sports in the afternoon he was a tv guy he, he did a very safe show but I used to listen to it and come on as a guest while I was in television and think, that's really what I want to do. And mm-hmm. I'd done it in college, and I'm like, this is what I really want to do because i got more to say than two and a half minutes yes. on, a, on a local broadcast on TV. So I really wanted to do that. So I got the chance three days a week to go over to 15, 10 a.m. when nobody really owned it and started three days a week doing a show, and it started building. And, like, mm-hmm. I'm working part-time. We haven't even started our own company yet, and George Brett called in. And I'm like, oh, my God, George Brett's calling. Like, me. just as a caller? Just as a caller. I had said something, and he was ready to go with me. He's ready to throw down. He's like, this is unbelievable. You're saying this about So what year is this? No, that would have been 97. Okay. All yeah. Right. And right then and there, I had this aha moment, like, we got something here. Mm-hmm. So I'd, I'd gone and met with the person that eventually would become my partner and said, we got we to buy this thing. we got to start our own sport. There was no sports radio station. Mm-hmm. And the big companies didn't believe in the format yet. This is the 90s. They were like, no, it's a niche. We should really only do three or four hours of that in the afternoon and stick to news. They didn't believe in it. So we were the first one on the air. And we were, we were literally on a radio station that signed off at dark. So at this time of year, you're signing off at 5 p.m. Yeah. And we had rating books back in the day that were just books. They were yeah. like catalogs. And they would come out from the rating period, and we would win the 5 o'clock hour in December or January when I wasn't even on the air. Like, people were filling out their diaries and lying, just saying, we love this station so yeah. much. Like, there's nobody listening at 8 o'clock at night. You can't listen at 8. We're signed off, and yet we're, like, winning the hour. Wow. Like, it was crazy. The, the love for the station at that point was nuts. Uh, we bought 8, 10 a.m., and the first five to seven years of that were just a, a completely wild ride in this town. And, and you know, a lot's changed since then, and now mm-hmm. competition sets in and things like that. But. It was crazy, man. It was a, it was the time of your life. I could write a book, but I'm not going to. You're not no way. No, I, I can't. You know what? My memory isn't good enough. If I did that, I have to get with Todd Lebo, um, who was my producer all those years. He remembers everything. Yeah. If Lebo said, "Hey, Kevin, let's write a book," I'd do it. But I'd only do it on one caveat: we tell the truth about everything. We expose everything that yeah. happened—the good, the bad, the ugly—everything about everyone. That's Jason Whitlock, Bill Moss, Tim Grunhardt, all the people that worked there. I'm like, if I'm going to write it, I'm going to tell everybody everything. And I'm not sure anybody would be on board with working with me on that. Do you have a Whitlock story? I've got a lot of Whitlock stories. Which one do you like? <laughs> so, so Whitlock, and he's a completely different person now than yes. when I knew him. Like, he yes. was not a good person. Yeah. He was not in a good place when he yeah. worked for us. Mm-hmm. He was a very difficult employee. He was not a drinker. Mm-hmm. Okay? He had his faults and sins, but he was not a drinker. And we did a charity thing the first couple of years. We called it the Turkey Bowl. And we had like 8,000 people come out to Rockhurst High School 
to watch this flag football game. We had Corby Jones, Missouri quarterback. I brought Stan Weber in, a friend of mine who played at K-State. We went out and got guys to play games, but it was co-ed. Mm-hmm. It was for charity. And and Whitlock was just convinced he was the smartest guy in the world, and this was going to be easy because Keatsman's an a-hole. And, mm-hmm. you know, he, he didn't particularly care for me. But he wanted my job is what he wanted. Yeah. He wanted the afternoon time slot. That's what I'll tell you. He was getting up at 4 in the morning and doing morning, and he wanted the afternoon and would eventually just quit on us and go to the other station and compete against me, and we kicked his ass. Mm-hmm. We just annihilated him. But we had this competitive game, and there was this undertone between the two of us, and we beat him, and it crushed him. And we had an after party down in uh, Brookside, and he got so drunk. We didn't see him for like two days. It was wow. unbelievable. I mean, he doesn't drink. He didn't drink. He was so distraught from losing the turkey bowl. He's doing <laughs> shots. He's oh. laid out. They're carrying him home. He doesn't work at the Kansas City Star the next day. Like, he's gone for 48 hours. Like, the boy never had a hangover, right? Wow. I mean, I'm telling you, this dude had never I – don't, I don't know that he had ever drank like that, which is wow. a compliment to him. Yes. But also, I can't believe a charity game against me drove him to drink. <laughs> Kevin Keatsman's on KCMO. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back with more with Kevin. Of course, this podcast, uh, Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. Download that today. We'll get to more with Kevin. we got to talk about our disagreement on Taylor Swift as well on the Ooh. other side here on KCMO Talk Radio now on 95.7 FM. Kevin Keatsman's in studio. His podcast, Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. Find it wherever you get your podcast. You know, I want to share a story with you, Kevin, about you. Uh-oh. I don't think I've ever told you this story. Oh, boy. But it, it, I think it just puts it into perspective for the audience. Um, you know, I did sports radio before I came to Kansas City to do this full time and, and weave in sports to what we do. But I start off doing... Um, Sports talk in Oklahoma. I go to New York. I'm freelancing at WFAN, CBS. I start doing some stuff at Fox. That leads to kind of the news talk side, and then I come out here. Everyone in sports radio, just so this audience knows, knew Kevin, knew the success that you had in this town, and that if there was Kansas City sports talk, you were the guy. I mean, I had listened to you from New York. I had streamed your show. Uh You were a guy that people were well aware of in this industry across the country, and I'm sure you know that. But I want to make sure that this audience hears that, too. <laughs> well, that's kind of you. I never really cared a lot about that. I mean, it's, yeah, it's yeah, really no, nice. I, yeah. You did. But I, I never was one of these guys that went to all the sports radio conventions and tried to network and do all this and meet mm-hmm. all these people in these other towns and stuff. I was never that guy. I, I guess my whole career, I've always just kind of been lasered in on what I do and let the rest of the world, you know, that's it, it sounds really selfish. But for me in broadcasting, it's worked very well. Just concentrate on what you do. And don't worry about what other people in the industry are doing. Do what you think is right. Be honest about it and go. Did you ever think about a move? Uh, well, a couple times across town, I got I tried to get hired. They, it was very interesting when Intercom, the company, I think they're now called Odyssey. Odyssey is that right? Yeah. Uh, they tried to hire me a couple of times, and the offers were really good. And every time they offered me, I made more money where I was. So it was yeah. it worked out fine. I didn't want to go to work for them because I was a co-owner where I was and co-founder. But you have to listen. Yeah. Um, I had some opportunities out of town. There were, you know, we love Arizona. We love Phoenix. My son lives there now. We've always had an affinity for that part of the country. And there were some opportunities there. But, the, you know, they didn't pay much. I don't, I don't know those teams. So, no, it was never close. The closest I ever came would maybe would have been leaving in TV. Okay. It would have been a totally different deal. But how do you go? I don't, I don't know how you do it. Like, how do you go from one place to another and then be an expert on their sports teams? Mm-hmm. I've never figured that out. Like, I could probably go do news somewhere else yeah. in politics because so much of it can be national, and we all know what that's about or it's America. Mm-hmm. But, I, like, I couldn't go to Phoenix and be an expert on Diamondbacks history. Yeah. I, I just I, – I never felt comfortable doing that. I've lived here my whole life, so this was always really comfortable, and I just thought that gave me a great advantage over yeah. everyone. No, and, and, and it worked out incredibly well for you, obviously. Um, Kevin Keatsman's in studio. 
All right, let's. We've got a few minutes here. Taylor Swift. Yeah. Let's dive into it. I know you um, are are of a different opinion than me. That you you genuinely believe, like you everything you say, you genuinely believe that she has become a problem for this team. Correct. Yes, she's becoming a bigger problem for America. But yes, yes, this team. Let's talk about the team first. Okay. And then America. Well, you can weave so, it all together. How is she a problem for the Chiefs and then also for America? Okay, she's the most divisive person I can name. She's more divisive than Barack Obama. She is divided since day one with her music, girls from boys, women from men, and our entire society against conservatives. That's all she's done. Every song she writes is divisive. She's a man-hater. She hates masculinity. It is shocking she's with a masculine man. This is the first one. It doesn't fit any narrative of everything Taylor Swift's always been about. She tries to emasculate every man she's with. She is divisive, okay? These Swifties love her because they need something to hold on to. She's teaching little girls age eight, don't trust the boy sitting next to you. Don't like them, don't trust them. They're evil, they're bad. They're out to get you. They will steal your money because she says they stole hers, right, in her record deals, Their lawyers will come after you. Men are evil. They run all these companies, especially white men are bad. This is unbelievable. I mean, everything she's done for 20 years of her career has been divisive. It's been a complaint. It's a bitch box. That's what she does. That's what we used to call it. You put money in the bitch box. When you're complaining about something, that's all she does is complain. So now she's here, and Travis Kelsey, God love the guy, let's be honest. He's a patsy. He'll do anything she asks at this point, right? You want to ask who's the dominant person in that relationship? That's easy. She wouldn't be dating him if she weren't in control. All right, she's a control freak. Nothing wrong with that. Strong woman, all that stuff is good. I'm not insulting that. Just don't attack other people that way and do that to them. So Travis Kelsey, to me, is just kind of a lackey. He'll do whatever she asks. Now, the entire Mahomes family wants to be in her inner circle. I promise you, every day, there's at least an hour of discussion in the Mahomes house where all they're talking about is Tay-Tay. And what they did and what she bought and what she wears and where she's going and how this is going and her jet has this and Blake Bell's wife flew along and we did this and we got this coat and the the New York Post thought that her red coat was nicer than my red coat. It is a complete and utter distraction. It's it's insane. We know the Mahomes. They're immature young kids, right? With a half a billion dollars. We know this. I would say they're pretty mature. No, 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 no. They act mature in front of the cameras. Patrick will say the right things. Yeah, yeah. But come on. You really, you really think they're mature young people? I, I mean, I, I think she's grown up a lot since having kids. I don't see her going crazy on Instagram anymore. I think she's pretty okay. Damn mature. Okay, for so some of the social media stuff has calmed down. Yeah. But you don't think that they're completely enthralled and infatuated that they want well, in I Taylor think, Swift's I inner circle? I think they are, but um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, oh, assume, I, I, I assume so. I would agree. Oh, with you. I think it's the biggest thing in their life right now. I, they I, want in that circle. They've got football. Yeah. They own the NFL. Hell, yeah. they've already done that by age yeah, 26. Yes. We yes. can now own something bigger. She's got 272 million followers. That's what they look at. Trust me. Mm-hmm. The wife, I don't say her name. Mm-hmm. The wife, um, she knows she has two, Taylor has 272 million followers. That's what the wife wants. She wants all these followers. That, I mean, that's all these kids want is followers. It's all they want. I'm telling you, they're all obsessed with Taylor Swift, and it cannot be good for a football team. Because it creates animosity amongst wives. It's distracting. Room. It takes time. You know, I, Patrick's the guy that used to go uh, home with his tablet and sit there and, and, and keep working at night and breaking down film. And what did he do? What was the first thing he did against Green Bay? That was the worst pass of his career. He misread the defense. The defender goes back behind the, 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 the other corner and the Chiefs receiver that was cutting in, completely mis- misreads the throw, and just throws it right to the cornerback. I don't know. Seems like something he might catch on a Tuesday night on his tablet. That, hey, this Nixon guy, this is one of the things he does on this route. 
I don't think he's studying. You think Patrick Mahomes is studying film as much as he was? Or do you think he's at home talking about Taylor Swift with his wife? If he's and not, building houses and buying companies. If he's not, I would say this. If he's not on the tablet as much, is it because not. you've won two Super Bowls and you that lackadaisical nature sets in? Great. Or is it because of Taylor Swift? All the above. Yeah. You're building a, a mansion at Lock but, Lloyd and but buying all these companies I can't and blame opening Taylor. a Whataburger. And- I can't blame Taylor for that. Taylor's a huge part of it, man. But she's I, a huge part but of it. But it's not her fault that she's the most it, famous person in the world. Okay. So she's a flaming liberal. And they brought her in, and they were yeah. both conservative. You watch. They're going to flip. All right? Mahomes is a conservative. Mm-hmm. His, whole, his mom is. She's on the Trump train. Everything she does, he was raised this way. His Twitter picture and stuff is the giant American flag at Arrowhead Stadium. He's been there for all that stuff. He made one little comment about BLM a few years ago yeah, yeah, that he'd nothing. like to take back. Yeah, it was I nothing. think. They made yeah. him do it. They, they made him do that said, video. hey, go do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he'd like to take that back. But you watch. Give me five years, and that whole family's liberal. You watch what Taylor Swift does to these people. Uh, yeah, well, if she's still around. In Travis five years. Kelsey's doing commercials about double jabs. Uh, well, who's more masculine and conservative than Travis and, <laughs> and his brother? You listen to the podcast. If you watch their podcast and listen to everything they say, how could you be more, you know, redneck white boy conservative than the Kelsey brothers? And he's flipping. You think that she's gonna uh, yes. be involved in the twenty four election? Of course, I disagree I, completely. Okay, so I brought some proof here. I can't really play this probably on, on the phone. But this is her crying right in Tennessee. About Marsha Blackburn. Not Marcia yeah, Blackburn. Yeah, yeah. Okay? Yeah. yeah, she yeah. Went, she's crying. Yeah. Oh, no. Now, hold on, hold on. Are people allowed to oh, grow no. up from age 29 to 34? Marsha Blackburn wants to kick gays out of restaurants. That's yeah, what Taylor Swift Yeah, no, I'm saying. not defending any of that nonsense. But I'm saying, are people allowed to grow up from age 28 to 34 and change? Oh, she's going to grow up. She's going to get more intense. No, I see. I think she's going to get less intense. Have you seen the Biden 2020 cookies? Yes. Oh, she and what did she, and what did she do Biden. two months ago? She got political, but she said, I encourage people to register to vote. She's gotten less political over the last five years, not more political. She has, she's registering people right and left. And yeah. She's sending them to a, a Democrat website. Yes. We know who she's going to register. And how many, did, how many did she get to register? Her, uh, I don't know, 35,000 in, in one day. Out of, out of 70, 270 million. Right, in one day. That ain't swinging any elections. 35,000 in a day is pretty good. But how many of those actually go vote? Uh, we'll see. You know yeah. what? They're owning Kansas, aren't they? Well, the Swifties just won everywhere. The Sw- yeah, the Swifties are winning everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Listen, the issue is abortion. Yeah, Biden. We all agree Biden can't win, but Republicans can lose. There's a million things could happen. You're running long. <laughs> this is so fun. Gosh dang it! You want to keep going? I got nowhere to go. All right, fine. He's staying. I got 20 <laughs> seconds. Keatsman's staying. We got some fun to be had. The news is coming up in 15 seconds. He's got nowhere to be. I've got nowhere to be. So this conversation's continuing on on a Friday. Why the hell not? It's live local radio. I don't care. We're going to keep it going. Kevin Keatsman's here in the studio on KCMO Talk Radio. And, heck, we just had four minutes off the air. We could have put on the air, Kevin. I'm just glad your boy Travis Kelsey didn't call me or, well, or you yeah. or somebody. <laughs> that boy goes calling in. I'm running. I'm well, sorry. I was, I was too busy getting my two-for-one shot deal in the hallway from uh, <laughs> Travis. So it's like, you, but how many? do you think anyone actually got the damn shot because Travis Kelsey said go two-for-one? Nobody's like, getting the shot. Well, that's what I mean. No America, one's getting the Yeah. America's quit on the shots. That's why they're hiring Travis Kelsey to try to talk people into doing and, and, and with him, you know, even Bud Light, we haven't even talked about Bud Light. Who's buying a, who boycotted Bud Light and then decided, well, you know, Travis was in the commercial, so I better buy a damn Bud Light. Right. Well, my Bud Light stance is a little different than some. I got sideways with some of my listeners. Like, I, I think the people that, you know, Anheuser-Busch employs an awful lot of people in this country, and they're great people, and most of them are conservative, and they're in that business. And I'm, you know, a, a department at a high level of a corporation made a terrible mistake, but it really isn't the fabric of that company. Like, that's the fabric of Nike. Mm-hmm. Okay? They're way left. 
Yeah. They have slave labor in China, mm-hmm. and they support all kinds of things I don't. So I don't wear Nike products. Yeah. Like, I've, I've sworn Nike off since they hired Colin Kaepernick, gave him millions of dollars, and he was wearing Castro T-shirts. That was enough for me. Yeah. But Bud Light was a mistake. I can forgive them very easily, and I think we should probably move on and think about the people that it affects that have real jobs. See, now I've got two things we disagree on, Taylor Swift yeah. and now Bud Light. Well. Because my thing has been we need to send a message to every other, every other Fortune 500 company it has to get the message. It was sent. I'm going to keep sending it. It was sent. I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I'm not. I'm never going to tell you what you should or shouldn't do. I just. I think about you know uh, the guy who delivers the beer here, and they're delivering less beer, and where they're going to have layoffs, and we don't know what's going to happen with that company. But these are good people, and it's been a, that, that company's been a great American company for a long time. It's not now. They're owned internationally. Yeah, and that's probably the problem. Yeah, that's that's the probably problem. the reason. And and William is it William Bush? He offered to buy it back. Yes. The Bush did. family's offered to buy the, the brand back, Bud mm-hmm. Light. Like, I'll take Bud Light off your hands, and they're not selling it. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I just, I think the people at this point, it's been, it's been a long time, are more important than the actual sending a message. I mean, Disney's been sent a message. You know, they, they can't put a movie out that doesn't flop. Look now. at their stock price, too. It's, it's awful. Yeah. It's just terrible. We're sending messages everywhere. We're, we're winning on that front. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I mean, I guess, too, and I'll admit it, I've said as much on the air. I was never a Bud Light guy anyway, so it's yeah. kind of easy for me to boycott it. But yeah. where I have boycotted it, is if I'm at Arrowhead at a game, you got to look for something that's not a Bud Light product, right? And I'm I'm missing a few minutes of a game to go find a Coors Light. Okay, so I drink Mick Ultra. I've had a couple Coors Lights or whatever, yeah, but yeah. I, I haven't bought any Bud Light. But I'm all, I'm man at my age. I'm looking for the 90 calorie two carb beer, Pete. I'm looking for I'm looking for water with a little coloring to it, maybe some bubbles. That's about all I'm looking for. So are you a seltzer man then? No. Okay. No. All right. We, although we have two great names for those. I don't know if you've heard them. No. My buddies. Uh, well, one of them I'm not sure I can say. Okay. It's, it starts uh, with the B word. Can you say that? I can't uh, say that. You said the it, one you said earlier? No, uh, I don't think I said the B word. The, the B-I, the female dog word? I, did I say that? You did. I did? You said, yes. Oh, my God, that's You terrible. said it on air. You said the B-box. You were oh, talking yeah, about, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, well, well that's let, let's, 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 anyway. This is the B-stick is the what B- they call it. The, the B-stick? <laughs> stick, yeah, like the can. Uh, is oh, because like the can is like a but stick. But the better yeah, yeah. one is, is the, uh, the kids call them cheerleader beers. Oh, the cheerleader beers? Cheerleader beers. That's pretty good. You know, <laughs> I hadn't heard that. Where are you hearing that? Did your son tell you that? Buddy, I'm the hippest 59-year-old you'll ever meet. Uh, are you really 59? Oh, yeah. Jeez. Yeah. I would have, I, I mean, you look 10 years younger. Thank you. Uh, when I turn 60 next year, I'm playing the white tee boxes for life. Oh, jeez. I'm already on the white tees. I can't wait. Yeah, okay, so you're moving to the white tees <laughs> at the 60. Tees. All right. That's, what do you get it off the tee box these days? Two and a quarter, maybe. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty damn well, good. Well, you know, if it's summer and the ball rolls, 240, yeah. Yeah, okay. All right. Sign up for that. How's your iron game? Strength of my game. It is. Yeah. All right. Very good. Well, I know you got a course out in Manhattan. What's the course in Manhattan? Colbert Hills. Like? It's nice, oh, right? It's insane. So uh, let's go to Manhattan. A lot of drama there this week. Uh-huh. Colin Klein leaves his offensive coordinator. What's up at K-State? They've had a week, huh? Well, losing an offensive coordinator is part of football you got a good guy you're paying him eight hundred fifty thousand. a bigger school offers to double that he's going to go and so that happened with colin klein who played quarterback at k-state so k-state fans were kind of hurt over the fact that one of their own left but it's a, a move that you make i wouldn't have gone to a&m if i were him he was offered notre dame last year and didn't go yeah uh but he took a&m this year maybe it was the money i don't know what but you know they tried to bring the quarterback along with him and and my people are telling me colin klein said i'm not even talking to you if this involves taking a player from kansas state i'm not involved in that you can talk to me about being a coordinator, but we're not taking any players from K-State. You that got be, that on good authority? Good authority. That would be wrong. It would be immoral. There's no chance you're taking any players. If they are, I'm out of this deal. So I believe that about Colin Klein, and I think he's that guy, which is cool. Sunday, let's wrap it up and tie it back to the Chiefs taking on the Bills. Uh, I'm sure you did a whole show on this uh, this morning that dropped on your podcast, Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. 
What are you looking at with this game for this team that's lost three of five? Okay, so for years, all anybody talked about in the NFL was tell me about turnover margin. The beautiful thing about Mahomes and Reed the last five years is it never mattered. Chiefs could go turn it over three times and win by 17. They just, it didn't matter. Turnovers didn't matter. Just go make plays. We turn it over a few times. Big deal. Go make plays. They are not that team anymore. And I don't hear anybody talking about this. All right. They're a regular, very good NFL team that must play differently than before. Mm -hmm. If they lose turnovers, they lost Sunday night by one. Right? One turnover. They lost the game. It was the key to the game was Mahomes' turnover. They got slaughtered in turnovers in Denver and lost the game to a bad team. If they lose turnover Sunday, they're beat. The Bills, all they are is turnover. Like, the Bills and Chiefs are in trouble. This is a game of desperation. It's two desperate teams. They're both desperate because their quarterbacks turn the ball over all the time. Mahomes has 10 interceptions. It's already a record for him. There's, mm-hmm. what, five games left? Yeah. I mean, you. this is insane. So the Chiefs have to start thinking about the other night, four minutes to go, midfield, first and 10. You don't throw the ball. Yeah. Run the ball. They'd run it beautifully all night. See if you can run the clock down and score at the very end. Take some safe plays here. Don't just swashbuckle all night. The Chiefs cannot be that swashbuckling team. They're turning the ball over too much. It it's it's the laziest argument in football. But if the Chiefs turn it over more than the Bills, they're beat Sunday. They got no chance of beating the Bills if they lose the turnover ratio. And I it's shocking because the, the headline is they've become that team. Yeah, they've not been that team. They haven't been. What's but I mean with the offense, what's really changed from? I mean I know Juju Smith Schuster's gone, but is that really the difference? Or is defense has figured out how to play this team without Tyreek Hill? Well, that's all, all the above, I think. Yeah. I, I don't think Mahomes is playing at that high a level. Like, he missed a throw to Rasheed Rice on a slant that could have been a big play the other night. And and it's nitpicking because he's got the highest percentage of his career. Yeah. But the reason he has the highest percentage of his career is they're throwing it behind yeah, the line it, of scrimmage it, so much. It, it's dumb passes. They're not, so. It's not downfield. And, and so I don't think he's on his game. I see him throw a lot of passes. And, and he gets frustrated with receivers. But we don't really know. Like, the, the interception was Mahomes' fault. Uh, and everybody else is saying the opposite. That was Mahomes' fault. Sky Moore went out, and when he saw that defender I was talking about earlier make the move he made and know that he had the outside track, Sky Moore's job is to cut it off and go to the back shoulder throw. But Mahomes threw the ball too fast. He needed to wait just a split second longer. He would have seen the movement by the defender, and he would have seen what Sky Moore was doing. They'd have completed it, got six or seven yards, but Mahomes is trying to hit the home run. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the little out thing. He's going to go out and up, and he wanted the touchdown on that throw is what he wanted. I want to beat my guy, get the touchdown, and woo, I'm Patrick Mahomes. No, sometimes the defender makes a play, and he didn't read that at all. That was all on Mahomes. So uh, Josh Allen came here last year and won the game. Uh, can he do it again? Will he do it yeah, again? He can. Uh, he's gone, what, nine games in a row with a turnover? Mm-hmm. And this guy turns it over. He, he does. It, he gets strip-sacked. So you tell me if you tell me Buffalo doesn't turn it over Sunday, I'm going to tell you the Chiefs are beat. All six losses by the Bills this year are six points or less. So this game's going to the wire. The only way it doesn't go to the wire is the Chiefs play their best game of the year and build a lead somehow, and it doesn't go to the wire. But I don't really see that. I think the last team with the ball probably wins it. I don't know who's going to win this game. you got to be kidding me. I mean, again, if somebody has two turnovers to one, that's probably the deciding factor. But Josh Allen can sling it. They're going to score some points. The Chiefs' defense is probably better than it was last Sunday night. But against the Bills, I mean, i got to figure they're going to score at least 24, so the Chiefs better be on it. Did you uh, see what Sean McDermott is getting blasted for, these 9-11 comments? Have you no, seen this? No, I have not. Okay. So I saw the comments of the GM about Von Miller. Y- y- okay. Well, this goes – you know what um, – you want to hang out for the final segment? Yeah, I know right. where to go. I'm going to take a break, come back. Uh, I want to share this with Kevin, what Sean McDermott is under fire for. Ooh. He commented on this yesterday during his press conference. A 9-11 reference he made a few years ago. That is probably the dumbest reference you'll ever hear. Mm. All right, we'll do it next. Wrap up the show with Kevin Keatsman. Check out his podcast. Of course, the most successful sports radio host in this town's history. Kevin Keatsman has issues. He's coming up and wrapping up the show on KCMO 95.7 FM. 
Here's the story I want to end the show with, with uh, Kevin Keatsman. Find his podcast, Kevin Keatsman Has Issues, wherever you get your podcasts. Of course, the uh, most successful, highest billing talk show host in this town's history. Uh, Kevin, so here's the deal. Sean McDermott, Bill's head coach. Uh, this came to be in an article yesterday up in Buffalo. Mm. Made a reference to September 11th. Now, you know, there's references to make to September 11th. This may be not the best one. Goes back to 2019. He's addressing his team, and he told them they had to come together. Well, uh, he used an odd model, the terrorist attacks on September 11th. And no, he's not talking about, uh, you know, the firemen, the policemen coming together and running in the buildings that are burning. He cited the hijackers as a group of people who were all able to get on the same page to orchestrate the attacks to perfection. Report says here, one by one, McDermott started asking specific players in the room questions. He said to one, what tactics do you think they used to come together? Mm. A young player methodically tried to answer. Mm. Next question, what do you think their biggest obstacle was? A veteran then interrupted and said TSA, which mercifully lightened the mood. Mm. So I, I don't know if he's getting canceled, but I, I don't think Sean McDermott is a good coach. He has underachieved no. with one of the best quarterbacks of the generation. It just says more to me about a guy who um, doesn't get it. I don't know what more to say about Sean McDermott. Well, everybody can have a bad moment. Yes. That's horrible. While it may be accurate that it was well-planned, it doesn't seem like much of a – it never seemed like much of a plan to me. We're just going to get on here and kill ourselves. I mean, if you're willing to die, these they, they always describe these people as masterminds. Like, mastermind, you've convinced some 17-year-old kid to kill himself mm-hmm. for something you believe in because he thinks there's virgins up there somewhere. And he's immediately going to ascend to this. All right, that's not a mastermind. Yeah. Okay, that's a cult. Yeah. We're talking about something completely different. So what he said, prob- I mean, I guess they organized it and whatever. It's so wrong on so yeah. many levels. And then to get his players involved, that's really sticky and uncomfortable. They're playing Von Miller this week, who just got picked up in Dallas on their bye week for assaulting a pregnant woman. Yes. Third degree felony charges pending. And they're going to play this guy. They got some issues in Buffalo. They're desperate to win this game, no doubt. But... I'm with you. Sean McDermott probably shouldn't have been the head coach this year, and people were saying anyway they're going to miss the playoffs, or they might miss the playoffs, and he's going to get fired. So this is probably the end for Sean McDermott. That's, a, that's a really bad thing to say. Yeah, their playoffs are on the line this weekend. Uh, you're right about that. And then but, the but if he is, had supported Hamas, the New York Times might have jumped right on board with him and yeah. written an op-ed and say, listen, he understands we got to stop. we got to get the Israelis out of Gaza. This is wrong what they're doing flooding well, these tunnels in Gaza. We can't do this. So if he'd said that, I guess he would have been okay. Yeah, he'll be given the commencement at Harvard, uh, you know, in the spring, right? Uh, it's unbelievable. Have you ever seen anything? I mean, listen, I know you've covered it on your show, too. I think that if there's any, and there's no silver lining to October 7th and what happened. Th- there is none. But I compare it to what happened in the wake of COVID. Parents woke up. They realized what was happening in their kids' schools. We've talked about it. We knew this was was percolating. But now, all of America is seeing what these college campuses have really turned into. And I think that's been on full-blown display. You saw the hearing this week with the Ivy League um, presidents, and there's no silver lining to terrorist attacks. But if there's something that's been an awakening, that's been the awakening the last two months. The first thing I noticed from those three presidents that were sitting there from those Ivy League schools, if you lined them up, and I was down here at the Johnson County Sheriff's, and they said, pick the liberal out of the three of them, I would have said, uh, all the above. Yeah. I mean, I mean you, just, you just look at them and you're yes. like, oh, my God, these people are crazy. All right? So you know this going in. And this lady at Penn's probably going to lose her job. But I think we know what's going on, but we keep funding it. It's hard to stop Democrats from spending money on stupid stuff. You know, we've got this thing from Tucker Carlson yesterday where he said that he's got people on authority that that uh, 
you know, Secretary of Defense went in and met with a, a select classified committee station. of congressmen and said, you know, if you don't give us the money for Ukraine, we're going to send your sons over there to die. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is how evil these people are and what they think about. The Ukraine thing's lost. Yeah. It's over. Unless we go in and fight it, it's lost. Mm-hmm. They're not beating Russia. Everybody knows that. That's why the desperation. We can't send our people in there. No. Ukraine doesn't matter to us in that way. So this is the same kind of thing. And this is the stuff they teach them on college campuses. Hamas is okay? That's insane. Hey, Kevin, this was awesome, man. Thank you for doing this. I loved it. Uh, This was a great time. Thank you so much. Uh, Thank you to – got a great – bunch of feedback on the text line as well oh, so I'll bet. Yeah. Oh, hey, yeah. hey trust me oh, some yeah. some love you some can't stand you what? but it's the same thing for me Wait, you know I've it's heard that. it's funny it's fun hey uh great to have you here man check out the podcast kevin keatsman has issues we appreciate it thank you for the real story behind some of wrestling's biggest moments it's something to wrestle with bruce pritchard and conrad thompson too 1995 when wcw announces they're going to be live and head-to-head with monday night raw feels like this would have been something vince would have kind of laughed off no we did not like them moving to monday nights there were a lot of hotels they all carried cnn tbs and tnt vince was convinced that ted turner had deviously done this deal to get in the hotels and keep us out something to wrestle wherever you listen this is something that people don't think about. It was a technology that solved a pain point and we've adopted it and we couldn't imagine life without it. We're at the beginnings of the same thing right now with AI. Dental Sound Bites. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready for an unforgettable music experience? Visit Lawrence, Kansas. Immerse yourself in live performances from folk to jazz, rock to hip-hop, and everything in between. From your favorite touring acts to up-and-coming artists, our intimate venues set the stage for extraordinary shows. Plan your trip today at explorelawrence.com forward slash music. Discover the Lawrence, Kansas concert calendar and get ready to let the music move you. Lawrence, Kansas, the unmistakable music scene awaits.